At first, it was just one sheep per day. But as the deadly dragon grew more powerful, he demanded more and more. Soon it was the people of Silene themselves, so intense was his insatiable hunger, his desperate desire for more and more. Until, until one day a courageous knight named George agrees to confront the dragon. After a long and bloody battle, George finally defeats the cruel beast, saves the princess, and rescues the town. With what weapon did George slay the dragon? A spear? A lance? A sword? Maybe, just maybe, the dragon was slain by love. Welcome to Slain by Love, your weekly sermon podcast from the pulpit of St. George's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. who know the festal shout, they will always be walking, O Lord, in the light of your presence. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Y'all, please be seated and good morning. The year was 1998. Some of you were not born. The year was 1998. I was a poor... uh, impoverished seminary student in my 20s living in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, studying to try to become a Presbyterian minister, newly married. Money was tight. Time was even tighter. Time was even more scarce because I worked the all-night shift as a security guard to make ends meet. Now, when you have little time and little money, especially if you're in seminary, sometimes you find yourself eating at McDonald's. In fact, sometimes you find yourself studying Hebrew at McDonald's. Yes, St. George's, you're the church with the rector who is the kind of person who studies Hebrew at McDonald's. I'll pray for you. When I had ordered my food, when I ordered my food and was headed to the table, that is when I heard it. Just as I was sitting down, I began to realize that over there on the other side of the room, there were three people in the middle of a very heated discussion, a very heated argument. Uh, Two teenagers and a middle-aged man, their voices were raised, their facial expressions were angry, their body language was hostile. And then, here's what I heard. The young girl, maybe about 15 years old, yelled out at the older man, you never loved us. And if you did, you never would have left mom. She got up with tears in her eyes and just barged out of the restaurant. The young man in his teens was left there with his dad. There was some long, very uncomfortable pauses, and eventually the older man I'll never forget, he pounded on the table, and then he got up and left. At this point, the young man in his teens was the only one left at that table, head in his arms, just weeping. And you know, it was one of those times when, like, you're not sure what you were supposed to do, but you feel like Jesus wants you to do something. And so I walked up to this young man. 
I asked him if I could sit, sit down with him at his table, which I did. I don't remember the first words that came out of my mouth that day, but as we talked, he began to realize that I'm a Christian. And so he told me, oh, yeah, I don't believe in God because I can't see him and I can't touch him. I looked at him sitting across the table. I looked at him and I said, can you see me? He nodded his head. I can see you. And then I stretched out my hand to offer him a handshake to shake his hand. He grabbed my hand with both of his, with both of his hands, and I said, can you feel that? Of course I can feel it, he said. And I looked at him, hopefully with humility and, and authentic love in my voice, and I looked at him and I said, then, friend, you can feel God. You can see God and you can feel God because Jesus Christ is God and I am a member of his body. You can feel God and you can see God because Jesus Christ is God and I am a member of his body. Now, friends, today... We continue walking through Matthew's gospel together. Today we come to chapter 10 of Matthew's gospel, and Jesus says something similar. He looks at his disciples 2,000 years ago. He looks at his would-be disciples today, and he says something similar. He says, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes God, the one who sent me. Does that sound similar? Can you see the connection there? Again, whoever welcomes you, Jesus is saying to his disciples, whoever welcomes you welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. You know what it reminds me of? Something kind of weird. It reminds me of the transitive property. What, Father Matt? Yeah, the transitive property. The transitive property in mathematics and logic states that and I'm putting it in layman's terms, that if A is B and B is C, then what? A is C. You got it. So if Fido is a dog, if Fido is a dog and a dog is a mammal, then Fido is a what? A mammal. That's it. If you welcome a disciple of Christ, then you welcome Christ. And if you welcome Christ, then you welcome God. Therefore, if you welcome a follower of Christ, you are welcoming God. The transitive property. If you touch a follower of Christ, then you're touching Christ. And if you touch Christ, then you are touching God. The transitive property. The idea is this, that God comes to the world by way of mediation. Let me hear you say mediation. God comes to this world by way of mediation. God does not come directly. God does not just zap people magically with his presence or power. No. God is always mediated. Mediated by Christ. Mediated by Christ's disciples. Mediation. Do you realize that God, for us, God is never unmediated. For us, 
God is always mediated. God comes to us mediated by the bread and wine of the altar. God comes to us mediated by the stranger that we encounter on the street or indeed the, 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 the friend slash neighbor experiencing homelessness that ventures up to St. George's right literally 30 seconds before the service starts. God is mediated to us by the very breath that we breathe. God comes to us mediated in all of these ways. The only real question, dear friend, the only real question is, are we aware of it? What's Jesus saying in Matthew 10? He's saying that this is how it is with us. God's love, God's presence, God's Zoe life, God's power flows into us, not directly, not magically with a zap. It flows into the world in a way that is mediated, mediated by all sorts of things, yes. But this morning, the point is that it's mediated by God's people, the prophets and the apostles, to quote the collect this morning. But friends, here's the thing. Everyone in this room is a prophet and an apostle. Everyone, at least potentially, everyone in this room is a prophet and an apostle. Are you baptized today? Are you a follower of Christ today? Do you even want to be a follower of Christ today? Then guess what? You are an apostle. The, the word apostle means sent one, and in just a few minutes, we're gonna send y'all out to love and serve Christ in the world. We will send you out into the world to be God's mediator, to be God's media, to be God's instruments. See, you are an apostle, but guess what? You are also a prophet. On the day of Pentecost, just four Sundays ago, St. Peter quotes Joel 2, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You are prophets and you are apostles. God's life does not flow through the bread and wine only. No, it flows through you. At the deepest level, that's what Jesus is saying to his disciples this morning you are mediators of God. You and I are the instruments of God. Now, what's Paul doing in the epistle? I'll tell you what he's doing. He's taking this ball and running with it. He's picking up what Jesus is putting down, and he's taking it forward. He's taking the baton and running with it. Present your bodies, St. Paul says in verse uh, 13. Present your bodies as what? Instruments instruments. There it is again. Instrument. I want you mentally to circle that word instrument. Present yourselves, Paul says, as instruments of righteousness, aka justice. Side note, in Greek and Hebrew, that word righteousness also means justice. It's the same idea, the same word. So Paul is saying, I want you to present your bodies, yourselves, your members as instruments of righteousness slash justice. Y'all remember the song I quoted last Sunday, right? Bob Dylan, 1979, you're gonna serve somebody? That's exactly what Paul is saying this morning in Romans 6. He's saying you're gonna be a slave to something. 
Paul is saying you're going to be a slave either to sin, sin slash death, or to righteousness slash justice. Put it this way. We will necessarily mediate something. We will be the media, the instruments of something. The question isn't, will you or won't you be an instrument of something? No. The only question is, what is it that we will mediate? What is it that I will transmit out into the world like the carbon dioxide that I emit when I breathe? What is it that I will transmit out into the world? Will I be an instrument of righteousness slash justice, or will I be an instrument of death slash sin? That is the only question. It will be one or the other, Paul says. You're going to serve somebody, and you're going to mediate something. You are going to be an instrument. Now, one final question. How? How can we present our bodies, ourselves, our members, ourselves and souls and bodies? How can we present ourselves as instruments to God, as instruments to God? I thought of two things. First, this altar rail. This altar rail, do you realize what is going on when you come to this altar on Sunday mornings? Do you realize how important that is? When you come to this altar rail, what you are saying, what I would encourage you to, to prayerfully say in your heart is this, Lord, I am yours. Save me. Help me transform me. This is something, by the way, that we talk a lot about in the Bolter home. Do you realize how important that is? This altar is the ultimate opportunity you have. It's the ultimate altar call. Some of us grew up in Baptist and Pentecostal churches. When we come to the altar rail on Sunday mornings, it is the ultimate altar call. It is the ultimate opportunity to place your life on the altar and to give yourself to the Lord. It should never be mere routine. It should never be mere rote. It should never be mere mindless habit. I am yours, Lord. Save me. Help me. Transform me. Make me your instrument. Second, I thought about traffic signs. As I thought about this notion of presenting yourselves, presenting ourselves as instruments to God, I thought of traffic signs. It's probably because Eli is taking an online driver's ed course, and so I guess I have driving and traffic on the brain. Think of a yield sign. You know those triangular signs that appear when you're about to merge onto a busy road or highway with other cars, other people? The sign is saying what? It's saying, let others go first. Put yourself last. Put yourself and your needs last. Put yourself, your schedule, in second place. Yield. What a great image, at least for me. <laughs> what a great image for what it means to present your bodies to God as instruments of God's righteousness slash justice. To say, Lord, you are first. Help me to put others first. And friends, guess what? If I don't yield... If I don't practice radical acceptance, 
If I don't practice radical acceptance, if I put my own self first, inevitably, guess what? I will become, mark my words, I will become an instrument of sin. I will mediate out into the world. I will transmit into the lives of other people, not the things that make for life. St. Paul uses that word zoe today in Romans chapter 6. I will mediate and transmit into other people's lives, not the things that make for life, for Zoe, but the things that make for death. All right, we have talked a lot this morning about being instruments, instruments. I want to close with one final kind of instrument this morning, instruments of peace. The prophet Jeremiah this morning speaks of peace near the very end. It's at the very end of that first lesson. The prophet Jeremiah speaks of peace this morning. One day, a prophet of peace will come, he says. Friends, that prophet is Jesus. Remember that peace in the Hebrew mind isn't just a ceasefire. It isn't just a lack of conflict. It's not simply the cessation of something bad or violent. No, no, no. Shalom in the Hebrew mind, is, is about abundance. It's about blessings. It's not just the lack of a bad thing. It's the presence of wonderful things. And friends, that prophet of whom Jeremiah speaks, the prophet of peace, is Jesus. At the end of the day, he, I, I believe this with all of my heart, at the end of the day, he is the world's only true peace. And the peace, the shalom, that he brings, he secured on the cross. May we be instruments not only of righteousness slash justice, may we be like Christ, instruments of peace. In the words of St. Francis, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying, there's the cross, it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for joining us at the pulpit of St. George's Austin where the love of God in Christ slays our enemies, our fears, our guilt, our worries. How are they slain? Only by love. Special thanks to the good folks of St. George's and especially to that masterful media guru, Liam Dolan Henderson. See you next week. Peace and be well.